You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, RPA is proud to present Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show. I'm your host, Aaron Frail. On Aaron's Horror Show, we're going to go ahead and read some horror fiction and talk about horror in all its forms, books, movies, you name it. If you want to go ahead and get a hold of the show, you can go ahead and contact Aaron's Horror Show at Gmail or Aaron Horror Show on Twitter or Aaron's Horror Show on Facebook. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show, and this is your host, Aaron Frail. I have a special guest with me today, my friend from college, Jason Witter. And here's a brief bio. Jason Witter has dabbled in theater and film for the last 20 years as an actor, writer, director, and producer. Together with his good pal, Aaron Frail, that's me, they created a sketch comedy troupe, Eat, Drink, and Be Larry, who brought low-budget indie film Hamlet the Vampire Slayer. Some other of the exploits of Eat, Drink, and Be Larry include Dracula Goes to College, Beach Blanket Lobotomy, Macbeth in Space, and Romeo and Juliet versus the Living Dead. Jason also writes plays for kids, including Mimi and the Ghost and Captain Hook, a retelling of Peter Pan from the villain's point of view. Now, Jason teaches theater at Central New Mexico Community College and spends most of his time writing silly poems about monsters and drawing silly pictures to go with them. These silly endeavors are collected in two volumes entitled The Tiniest Vampire and Monsters Eating Ice Cream. The third volume of the Silly Things series, Dinosaur at the Dentist, will be out this spring. All right, Jason, thank you for coming on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, glad you could be here. So go ahead and yeah. give the audience a little bit about yourself. I know uh, that you have a lot of interesting projects going on. I hear that you're doing a, a Kickstarter campaign right now. I do, yeah. I have a Kickstarter going right now for a little book called Happy Monster Poems. And it's just a little pocket-sized book of illustrations and poems all about different monsters, but all very feel-good. It's the kind of thing where I want people to read it and put a smile on their face. It's just what the monster ordered to put a smile on your face. How about that? Um, and anyway, nice. it's just a silly little book, uh, poems and illustrations, um, Ooh, called cool. yeah, Happy Monster Poems. And it's kind of a lead-in to my third book. So the the book that's out right now, The Happy Monster Poems, has some poems and illustrations from the first two books and then a bunch of new ones, some of which will be in my next book. But this is just like a little tiny condensed pocket-sized version that you can get through Kickstarter, and it's got a bunch of stickers and postcards and other incentives to go along with it. Cool, great. So well, there's we'll have there's the my pitch for that. 
Good, good. We'll have the Kickstarter yeah. <laughs> in the show notes, so if people want to go cool. check it out, they can check out the show notes. Oh, that's great. And, uh, we'll, we'll have that. Uh, I appreciate good, that. Good. So how'd you get into writing poetry and, and, well, you and know, drawing growing up, monsters, uh, you know? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, so growing up, I was a huge fan of Shel Silverstein, like probably, you know, most of us back in the day and still to this day, I think he's still pretty popular, but grew up loving, you know, where the sidewalk ends, light in the attic, uh, growing tree, all that, or the giving tree, all that Shel Silverstein stuff. So I, I loved his work. And um, when I got into college, so as kids, my brothers and I always drew. We drew comic books all the time. Uh, we had one comic book that we drew where we took all the characters from, like, Sesame Street. We took, like, Ernie and Bert, and then we had, like, Chewbacca in there and the Incredible Hulk. And it was called the Ernie Brigade, and they were, like, an action super fighter team of oh, Ernie nice. and Bert and various Ernie and Bert relatives that we created and Chewbacca <laughs> and Hulk and all these. And they basically – they were super violent, and they were ridiculous comics. But my brother and I always drew <laughs> – we always drew stuff. And there was actually a character in there named Drac, I think, who was basically Dracula. Um, but we always so loved kind of the pop culture influence. Yeah. So we always loved Dracula the pop culture from your, from your book? stuff. No, this was, this was a different – this was a very evil character. And now that I think about it, he might have been in a different comic. My brother – my other brother – and my middle brother, they all drew stuff. We were all drawn comics, and we all had different characters, and they become a little bit of a blur to me at times. Um, but we were always drawing stuff and writing stories, creating stuff. And so when I got into college, I ended up going into theater at some point after, like, seven years of, you know, trying to figure out what the heck I was doing and never really figuring it out, but did uh, theater. But I think through theater, I kind of just got all the creative juices flowing again and everything and um, did that for a super long time. And then I just kind of really gave myself a challenge a couple of years ago where it's like, you know, I, I need to do something creative, but I want to do it now. And so I gave myself the challenge of writing and writing a poem and drawing a picture to go along with it every day starting September 1st all the way to October 31st. So I wanted to do like 60 days of Halloween-inspired poems and drawings. And so I would do one every day, put it on Facebook, and that's what ended up being the first book, Tiny's Vampire. And then I did that again the following year, gave myself the same challenge, draw a picture, write a poem, monster-related, every day from September 1st to October 31st. That became Monsters Eating Ice Cream, and then I did it this past fall, and that will be Dinosaurs at the Dentist. So basically, it just came about as like a, a fun, quick challenge for myself to do every day, and, and it's become a little bit of a tradition now to do that. Great, so, great. So it's so yeah. a challenge at first, and then it became an enterprise. I know I've 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 been watching watching your career here, and I noticed you've had several successful Kickstarter campaigns in, in these uh, I have. in these books, you know? Yeah, yeah. I've actually done four Kickstarters so far. So I did two for the – I did one for Tiniest Vampire, and then I did a Tiniest Vampire coloring book, and then I did the second edition of Poems and Illustrations, which is Monsters uh, Eating Ice Cream. And then the last Kickstarter I did was called Classics Kind Of, and those were basically my – shortened, illustrated versions of Hamlet, The Raven, The Odyssey, Moby Dick, and Dracula. So taking old classics that I really dig 
and that are pretty well known, rewriting them in a very silly short way and drawing pictures and adding puzzles and games. And um, So, yeah, so those four have uh, all done very well, and all those books are out there and available on Amazon and Etsy and whatnot. So, yeah. So, so tell us your secret to the successful Kickstarter. I'm sure the audience would love to know how, you know, everyone has um, a Kickstarter going these days. How, how, what, what's yeah, the difference between the ones a lot of people have win, you know? asked me that. A lot of people have asked me that. Like, what, what's your secret? And the only thing I, there really is no secret. I mean, because as soon as you do a Kickstarter, you're going to get a ton of messages from people saying, hey, we can reach so many thousand people on our Twitter account if you help, you know, let us help you with social media services or whatever. And I've never used any of those. I just put the Kickstarter up. I will be honest, the first one, Chinese Vampire, I know it did really well because I had such a huge network amongst the theater and film scene, all the people that I knew from that area, and the fact that I had been posting a drawing and a poem every day for 60 days, people were very aware of this stuff. And then I did the Kickstarter like a month later. It was built up to it. It wasn't like I just put it up there with no build-up. So I think having that build-up was huge because every day I was putting up a poem and a drawing, and people were seeing that. And then a month later, you know, so I did that for 60 days, and then a month later, here's a Kickstarter collecting all of those things. People were super aware of it. So Facebook was huge. Facebook was was really my biggest tool. And the thing is, when I started it, I was not even intending to do a Kickstarter for that book. I was just doing this for for fun. And oh, then wow. a couple of folks. So after I had done all the poems and drawings, I was like, yeah, maybe I'll just put a book out there. I'd go through Create Space and put a book out there. And a few folks were like, well, you should do a Kickstarter. And my thought was, well, Kickstarter is to raise money to make something, isn't it? Because this is I can just make this through CreateSpace. It's fine. And they were like, no, basically, you can use Kickstarter as like a pre-sale tool. So you put the book out there, and what it allows you to do is order a bunch of copies if Kickstarter makes, order a bunch of copies of the book. Everybody who put in gets one and some other, you know, special incentives. But then your costs are covered for ordering basically a bulk amount of the book, um, which worked out great. But, yeah, really the the big thing for me when people ask about what was the secret for that, there's no secret. It's just that I accidentally stumbled upon a thing that worked. I think it's really what yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's – there's really – there's – there's no formula. I think really – what I tell people with Kickstarter is you just, you just got to try it. And yeah, there's yeah. No, there really is not a formula to it. So it's it, – yeah. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure the, sure the buildup, uh, you know, really helps a, a whole that, lot. That was having, huge. Having those, those 60 poems come out, you know, and, and oh, people yeah. already aware of it and stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I also have to say that right off the bat, I mean, I had a – you know, and I think this this often happens. The first Kickstarter, a lot of people I knew put in, which was huge, but that's also what that says about, you know, kind of the theater community I've been involved in with the last 20 years. It's like a family. They're all extremely supportive. So many people put in. It wasn't even a theater project, but they were all very supportive of what their fellow theater community member was doing. So I was very lucky to have had 20 years of theater experience and networking and 
background and all these people I knew who were extremely supportive of this project I was putting oh. out there. Not to mention other friends and family, everybody that was super supportive, but that theater community was huge. They were like, oh, Witter's doing a thing. We'll throw in 10 bucks for that. Oh, for sure, and for so, sure. Well, you know, and, yeah. and me, me, me personally, I, I've, I've gotten, I've gotten all of them, and it's mainly because I have a kid now, and I figure I'm going to give these yeah. books to my son, and, and they're, they're perfect, and one day he'll be able to meet the author, you know. <laughs> That's right. That's so, right. You know. <laughs> yeah, you could tell yeah. about our, our good old days of eating Totino's pizza and playing Magic: The Gathering. Oh, with, with oh, the author, oh, yes, author and yes. illustrator of that book. <laughs> oh yes, yes. For, for the listening audience, we used to do these thousand card Magic: The Gathering decks. Uh, that we just play a little bit off the top and then discard all the cards when we're done and play a little bit more. And, and there's lots of pizza, Totino's pizza. So, Oh, yeah. Good times. Great, Good times. great fun. Great, great college fun. Absolutely. <laughs> but but uh, got so, a bit of a cold going. Oh, no. No, it's fine. I, I was sick the last episode when I, when I recorded. Uh, so oh, I barely, okay. barely got through through it. Gotcha, so, gotcha. Yeah. One thing I notice about your work is that you have a lot of uh, ties to the very sort of old school horror movies, like The Mummy, yeah. Dracula, oh, yeah. Wolfman, and stuff like that. So, yeah. so where does that come yeah. from? Go and tell, tell, tell us about that. Again, it's just growing up, I loved those Universal Monster movies. I couldn't get enough of that stuff. Um, as a kid, it just it fascinated me. And, you know, I grew up in the 80s, so there were also movies like Monster Squad that came out, and Monster oh, Squad yeah. was very much based on those universal monster movies. Um, you know, Creature from the Black Lagoon, Mummy, Dracula, Frankenstein's Monster, The Werewolf, Wolfman, all this stuff. I just, I could not get enough of that. And so that's just ingrained in me. I love those characters. And one of the things that I love doing with them is making them kind of silly, like taking away the fear factor of them and just putting monsters in funny or even endearing situations. I, I really like doing that, just kind of turning them around a little bit. Um, but as far as my inspiration for that stuff, it's just childhood love of those old universal monster picks. That's really, that's where that comes from. It's just never gone away. Cool, cool. Yeah, so uh, one thing that I was – I. I was I was realizing, you know, because we we also when we were doing Eat, Drink, and Be Larry, we uh -huh. you know when we did that sketch comedy, we also did a whole lot of those old uh, monster monster picks, you know, like Dracula goes yeah. to college, Beach Bank lobotomy, all of those are you yeah, know absolutely and, and Dracula. So I realized yeah, your yeah. influence was there too, you know. Yeah, I've always loved that stuff, and one of the things that was cool, I think, about us starting to work together back in the day, is that you were super into that stuff as well, and you were the one that got me into Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> remember, we were, because Hamlet was going on in town, that was like the big theater show that was going on, that everybody was going to go see, and we were talking about what should be the next e could be Larry show, and we were brainstorming on it, and we came up with Hamlet the Vampire Slayer, and I was like, yeah, but I don't, I don't know Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and you were like, well, let me introduce you. <laughs> and so we, we like binge watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and I fucking, I'm sorry, I apologize, I freaking fell in love with it. I absolutely <laughs> loved Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and as we were watching it, you know, 
we we created Hamlet the Vampire Slayer based off of obviously Hamlet and Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but you were the one who introduced me to Buffy, and you know so I think we both had that love for that sort of genre, and it just worked so well in creating those ridiculous shows. They were so fun. Oh yeah, yeah. I thought yeah. Buffy like what it did best is it took and and kind of what we also sort of did in our shows it it took horror and comedy and kind of blended yeah. it flawlessly into into you absolutely know. Yeah. yeah i think yeah i think you know because i mean inherently horror is a little bit silly you know there, there's absolutely. a little bit of silliness in it you know yeah yeah there's a very fine line there and i think that's one thing that you and i always really liked was finding going to crossing the line into comedy with it. Because we both enjoy horror, but it was always so fun to kind of giggle about, you know, well, what if what if the silly monster or creature or whatever, what if they did this or this happened and put them in an awkward situation, like Dracula having to go to college. So ridiculous. But here's this <laughs> prince, Vlad the Impaler, you know, terror of Eastern Europe or whatever from centuries ago, and he's transplanted into modern day, and because he wants the love of Mina, he's got to go to college to try to become <laughs> her boyfriend. <laughs> and, and, yep, that, that's where I played Mina's kid brother, Draconius, the, the, that's the, right. the local goth kid. <laughs> that's right. He was really, really obsessed with Dracula and, and, and yeah. just Sort of, you know, I think I had a, I had a, one of those fitted sheets as a, as a cape, you know. <laughs> yeah, you totally did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, so good. Yeah, yeah draconius. Yeah. Draconius. Oh, so good. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was based on all my time going to the goth club. I used to go to this goth club on Thursday nights, and you know, I was, you know, I, I wore black, but I was never truly, yeah. you know. Never a, like full crow makeup or anything, you know. But sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the the way you know you're going full goth is that you're going full crow. <laughs> full crow, that's right. Oh, that's good. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think it's interesting how how comedy and and horror have a very easy mix, and I think that's why you see a lot of uh, comedy horror movies like. Like even the low budget kind. Like I a while back on the show, I did a, I I I talked about Zombievers. Ah, I've heard of that one. I have not watched it. Yeah, it's (laughs) it's all right. Like like you know, like the the comedy gets a little bit flat at times. So I I uh, I kind of wish it went a little bit more with the comedy because you know it's Zombievers. Like, (laughs) well, I mean, well, yeah, you just expect that to be a hoot and a holler. Oh yeah, yeah, but yeah. So I, I think it's a natural genre. It's, it's interesting. So I think it's interesting yeah. that it, it blends very well. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. So, so yeah. tell us. Yeah. Oh yeah, were you gonna say say something? Oh no, I was just gonna throw out. The, I think the best blend for me, the my favorite blend of horror and comedy is Evil Dead Two. I think that that's oh. got the the perfect blend, in my opinion, of just yeah, good, good yeah. gore, horror, but also just slapstick, Three Stooges comedy going on in there. Just a good time. I just think that's a that's such a for me such a fun example of the blend of horror and comedy. Oh yeah, yeah. Evil Dead uh, Two, I think, is is like one of the it's one of the ones that everyone sort of holds up as the other movie in that same genre too, almost. You know. Yeah, it, yeah. I feel it's it's sort of a 
not necessarily the roadmap, but but the one that you really like, like like when someone has a has that sort of sort of budget, that's what they're striving to achieve, or something like that. Yeah, right? yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. So sorry, I kind of cut you off there. No, no, no. I just yeah, I I was just actually gonna segue into talking about movies. I was gonna. Oh, okay. Ask you uh, about your your movies you did. I know for a while you were being taken off off to Rhode Island to appear in uh in some, some <laughs> horror was. movies. I did. I did uh, several movies out there. Uh, the first one was called Pretty Dead Things, uh, directed by Richard Griffin. Uh, fantastic experience doing Pretty Dead Things. It was super fun. <laughs> um, it was about, was about twelve years ago now. But went out there and I basically. Uh, I played a, a vampire in that, um, and the whole movie, yeah, Pretty Dead Things, is basically about ex-porn star vampires. Um, <laughs> well, how so, yeah, we, That's right. We were like these vampires <laughs> who had been killed in the 70s, and, you know, we're still rooting around 20, 30 years later or whatever, and uh, still looked exactly the same, so I had this ridiculous leather outfit on, and you know, slicked black hair. It looked ridiculous, but it it was so much fun. And it was, it was super fun doing that because I was just such a villain in it. My my vampire character, Shane Starkweather, I think was his name, um, <laughs> was just such a villain in it. And it was super fun playing that. Uh, so, yeah, so I did that, and I did one called Splatter Disco, and then I did a really small part in a movie called Beyond the Dunwich Horror out there. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so I did several uh, flicks out there with Richard Griffin, and, and those were a blast. Those were a blast. They were super fun. Oh, yeah, it sounded like that was a really good time doing those movies. And, and yeah, it was, it, yeah. Uh, uh, quite an enterprise of them, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was well, you, great. You, it was very cool doing that, yeah. But you've also directed and written, written some movies of yourself, so so tell us about yeah. those. Well, so the first one was, of course, Hamlet the Vampire Slayer, which you and I wrote together and basically yeah. co-produced, and we kind of, you know, co-did everything on that. Um, and so that was really – and Hamlet the Vampire Slayer came out because we had done the stage version, which had done really well. And then I went out to Rhode Island and did Pretty Dead Things. And I remember I always felt bad about it because when I came back from doing Pretty Dead Things, you had been organizing, like, the second anniversary show of Eat, Drink, and Be Larry – and every, like you, we were going to do like the big second anniversary show, and I had just done the movie out in Rhode Island. I came back, and it's like, no, we're going to scrap that. We're going to make Hamlet the Vampire Slayer the movie. But what was awesome is everybody was on board for it, so, yeah, so we yeah. ended up that summer making Hamlet the Vampire Slayer. And it really kind of came out because we had done the very successful stage version, and then going out to uh, Rhode Island, I, I totally got the movie bug out there doing pretty dead things and so when i came back that's when we like we all had our meeting and talked about it and everybody was cool with it so we sat down and basically kind of just tweaked the script to make it shootable um <laughs> it went from there yeah i mean really yeah. we had no idea what we were doing or we'll make a movie <laughs> I know, I know. I no, we yeah, no. So we just like, yeah, let's just make a movie. <laughs> just, just do it. So, yeah, yeah. I know. It was, it was great. <laughs> One thing I really, I. One thing I really loved about like Hamlet the Vampire Slayer is 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 that like like Eat Drink and Be Larry we had a lot of shows I mean we had done so many yeah. shows and there were some great sketches and stuff but it was very ephemeral with the theater world you know like like when the show was uh -huh. closed 
that was it. It was over. We didn't yeah. have yeah. any more, you know, just our, our memories yeah. of it, and, and that was about it. Totally, but, totally, but, yeah. And with the Vampire Slayer, you know, it, it's still there, you know? <laughs> like, like it's a yeah. – for me, it's kind of a way I can share people, you know, oh, that yeah. part of my life, you know, that I – like Absolutely. my wife now, she, she never got to see our live shows because – I met her after that, but uh, yeah, you know, she got fortunately for Vampire her. Slayer. I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> fortunately, she was lucky enough to escape the live shows. <laughs> but she, she dodged that bullet. <laughs> but then I forced her to watch know. this movie. I know. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, but no, I agree. I agree. I I think that's. One of the things I love about theater is that it is ephemeral, and you do it, and it's done, and it's never the same thing ever again. It's a unique shared experience with performer and audience who are there at the given moment, and it's all very artistic and beautiful. Um, but with film, you have a record of it. It's there. Because you can film a theater piece, but it's not the same. It loses so no, much. No, it's not. It does. It well, does, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I agree with you. I think it's cool to have that kind of record of that time period in an actual film format or, you know, so. Yeah. Well, and we got to go to, what was it, Syracuse, I think? We, we That's right. Film festival, you know? <laughs> yeah, it was the B-Movie Fest. Yeah, B-Movie Fest. That's what I was doing. <laughs> oh, yeah. We best screenplay, and we wandered up there to accept the award, and we didn't know what to say. We are just like, uh, thank you, guys. <laughs> and the guy's like, well... At least you're better writers than you are speakers. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> Do you still have the little statue? I still have it. I, I think he. Yes. I think we made a deal where we need to like <coughs> trade homes because I think I think you were gonna. He's gonna live with me for a while, then live with you. So I, I think I gotta yeah. get that guy over to you. Like I gotta <laughs> ship him out or something now. You know. That's like, right. I've been waiting. Yeah, I've been waiting. Okay. <laughs> No, that's my best screenwriter well, award. That's right. You, you are got a spot cleared on the shelf. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you just oh, think of it. A, a, a single tear runs through your eye. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Someday. Someday. <laughs> I will get that award. <laughs> uh, like it, yeah, see exactly. This is what, what we were talking about before. You know, to let the the audience in before we were uh, uh, filming or recording this interview, uh, we we were were just joking around, remembering some old funny stories, and we were laughing so much that we we thought it would be funny if we just started laughing throughout this entire podcast. And yeah, <laughs> and then we were trying to be very careful not to do that, but we were definitely yeah, we are we are going that route. Yeah, uh, I guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I guess we can't avoid that. <laughs> no, no, no. But yeah, yeah, that's too, a, too many good memories. Good. Yep, yep. All right, that was such a good interview. I'm going to have to go ahead and split that up into two parts. So, Jason, man, if you're listening, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, so tune in next week to go ahead and hear the rest of uh, Jason and Mai's interview. We're going to go ahead and talk about some interesting stuff. We're going to get a little bit of philosophy, talk about some film, uh, you know, all sorts of interesting stuff. Anyways, go ahead and tune in next week. And uh, also, don't forget that Real Paranormal Activity is on Mondays. I'm on Tuesdays. 
Terry's Mysterious Moments is on Wednesdays, and of course, the Sandman's Lullaby comes out whenever it feels like, so you gotta pay attention for that one. And I'm gonna go ahead and leave you with some very important wisdom from the Monster Squad. Wolfman has nards. Remember that next time you're attacked by the Wolfman. <laughs>